Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. What the hay is going on in Bardstown? I'm telling you, people drop like flies there. How can it still be unsolved? I don't understand this. And here's another conundrum. Typically, you find serial killers use the same MO, modus operandi, method of operation. But here, the murders are entirely different. Is it the same person? If it's not the same person, how many killers are in this small town? And how is it They've never been caught. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I'm Shay McAllister. I'm a reporter at WHAS 11 in Louisville. I want to tell you a story about a town in Kentucky, a beautiful, close-knit town where some truly horrible things have happened. I know everybody... So it's hard to also to think that somebody here in my town could, would do such a thing. A police officer with a wife and two young sons, a teacher and her teenage daughter, a 35-year-old mother, and 18 months later, her father. Four of them murdered, one of them missing, considered dead. All of the cases are unsolved. It makes me fearful to even speak of it. So that kind of gives you a little insight. We'll tell you about those victims and not only how they died, but how they lived. And delve into the lives turned upside down by these horrific crimes. Growing up here and dealing with everything that's going on now, it's like, I'm surprised this town's even standing. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. You were just hearing Shane McAllister, investigative reporter, WHAS Louisville. Also with me right now, Jessica Knoll, investigative journalist, podcast producer with Vault Studios. They have dug in and managed to find evidence that seemingly police didn't know anything about. Now, how is that? Why aren't police solving this? And, you know, I don't like bashing the cops, but I don't understand this. Take a listen to this. He sees something in the middle of the road. There are freshly cut and purposely placed tree limbs in the middle of the exit ramp. He pulls his cruiser across the ramp to block any oncoming traffic, puts on his flashing lights, and steps out of his cruiser to remove the debris. But someone is hiding among the lavender spring flowers just off the slanted pavement. When Jason bends down to grab an armful of branches, he's ambushed. Booming 12-gauge shotgun blasts ring out. He's struck in his Kevlar vest and under his arm. More shots penetrate the darkness and the officer. 
He's sprayed with pellets, striking his right upper arm, forearm, and right elbow. More plow into his scalp, his forehead, his temple, and his right jaw. He doesn't have time to react or to grab his gun from his holster. His body collapses to the pavement, and the tree limbs fall onto his legs. Blood seeps onto the asphalt below him, leaving a trail of red. 139 off the hero Hello, hello. Officer Dale, Officer Dale, Bluefield Road. Officer Dale. Did you hear the way that they juxtaposed lavender flowers against dead bodies? Okay, that's a brain twister as well. Welcome back, everybody. With me right now, Shay McAllister, investigative reporter, WHAS, Jessica Knoll, investigative journalist, podcast producer, Vault Studios, and they've got a big surprise for everybody. They now have the investigation into the Bardstown murders in digital form, and I am loving it. You can see it, hear it read it over and over and over with behind-the-scenes info that didn't make it into the podcast. And as I always say, people would, would comment when I tried a murder case, talk about overkill, you're overdoing it. I would bring in every scintilla or shred of evidence for the jury because you only get one swing at the ball, one bite of the apple. Don't leave anything out. And now we're finding out about behind-the-scenes information and evidence that did not make it into the podcast. Jessica Knowles, Shay McAllister, thank you for being with us. First to you, Shay McAllister, I don't understand how so many dead people can be going in and out of the local funeral home, and it's still not solved. How many dead bodies are we talking about, Shay? Well, at this point, Nancy, we're talking about five different people and it is unbelievable, especially to those who live there, a town of 13,000. Cliche when you say everyone knows everyone, but in this case, everyone is familiar with every family. So every time something happens, you know someone who knows someone who's connected. Well, it's not hard for me to relate to that. Jessica Knoll, as you know, I grew up not in Macon, Georgia, in, in middle Georgia, rural Georgia. I grew up outside the city limits in unincorporated Bibb County. We literally did know everybody by sight and name at the school, our public school, Dr. John H. Hurd Elementary, at our church, Liberty Methodist. We knew everybody. There weren't that many people to know. Same thing in Bardstown. I don't understand, Jessica Noll. At the get-go, it's got to be someone you know. It has to be because the population is so small, Jessica. It is is very personal to the folks in Bartown. I mean, and they believe that they know who's responsible for at least some of these crimes. Um, But, you know, we're still looking at unsolved cases here. Five dead bodies and counting. Take a listen to Shay McAllister. He frantically grabs the officer's radio on his uniform. Out of breath, he calls over to dispatch. We, we, I, I've come home from Heaven Hill Distillery. I've just got off work, and there was a, the police car is sitting in the middle of the road with the lights on, and I, we didn't know what it was. It's a tree across the road, and I, I, I didn't know what it was, and I got out, and I went up there and looked, and it's him. I believe somebody's hit him. Okay, can you tell if he is breathing? No, sir, he is not breathing. Body temperature is cold. Ma'am, can you about the status of the officer? Is he conscious? I, I believe he did. Soon, a flood of blue lights light up the night sky, dancing off of treetops and illuminating the horror Jason's fellow officers are about to drive up to, one by one as they receive the call from dispatch to exit 34. 
Shay McAllister, WHAS, tell me about the Officer of the Year, Jason Ellis. How was he murdered? Because this took a lot of planning, thinking, conniving, and scheming. Officer of the Year, Jason Ellis, he was a family man who was very beloved in the community. He was a drug officer who typically worked with his canine partner, Figo. On this night, though, he was working alone. He had called off for the night. He was on his way home, driving up the Bluegrass Parkway. And exiting on the exit he used every night to get home, Bloomfield Road. As he was driving off the exit, he saw some tree limbs placed in the roadway. And because he is a good officer, who even though he was off duty, he decided to stop, turn on his lights, and get out to move the tree limbs. When he did, he was ambushed. He was shot multiple times. You heard it there from the podcast in this graphic description of how these bullets just tore through his body, and he was killed right there on the exit ramp alone. You know, um, Jessica, that reminds me so much of the murder of my fiancé, Keith. He had been at the workplace that day, which was in a very remote area. Uh, He was working a construction crew during the summer uh, before he finished up yet, I think, one or two classes left. Already had a job lined up as a geologist out in Colorado, the works. And he left the construction site to go get sodas or drinks for everybody at lunch. And when he came back, he was driving the company vehicle. And a guy who had been fired before Keith came on to the job was standing there, saw the truck, went crazy and ambushed him and shot him five times. And I've often thought about him his last moments alone out in the middle of nowhere and I wasn't there and I wonder what Officer Ellis's family how they consider this about him their dad their husband dying 2 a.m. out alone bleeding out trying to help other people Now, this took a lot of thinking to do because what the perp did was get several several freshly cut trees and kind of block off the road. Also interesting, Shay McAllister. I mean, can you imagine the person dragging the trees down? That took a lot of thinking and a lot of work. But then the murder was effected with a 12-gauge shotgun. Now, that gives me a whole another take on who did this. I can tell you right now with a 12-gauge, it's a man. The killer is a man. The killer is not missed at 2 a.m. in the morning. And the killer doesn't have a problem skulking in the forest, dragging trees down. That's what all that tells me, Shay. So that cuts about 51% of your population of who's the killer right there. So we're down to about 6,500 people. Yeah, there's all kinds of theories and conspiracies about who actually killed Jason. Wait, are you calling me a conspiracy theorist? Because that's not a conspiracy. Because I only think one person did that. And true, they're a nut, but not legally insane because they've certainly outfoxed the Bardstown police so far. Can you agree with that, Shay? Yes, I can agree with that.
Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Richard Caldwell grew up visiting his grandparents in Bardstown, citizen journalist. The Jason Ellis murder really slammed on the brakes for a lot of people. It made people locally and beyond stop and really pay attention. And I think events that have happened since then just add to that. In his blog, and now with us, he shares his thoughts on what he believes happened to the Bardstown police officer. Well, the hot gossip at the time was that uh, a local gang called the BMGs, or the Big Money Gang, um, they're big on drug trafficking, uh, um, that they had some sort of involvement in it. And I have cousins who consider themselves parts of the BMG. And from everything I've gathered, I think they're a bunch of kids that watch entirely too much television. I don't think that they would have the brains or the resources to execute the execution of a law enforcement officer. I mean, just considering the, the, the planning that had to go in, into it, I think it's an easy cop-out to try to pin it on, you know, some gangbanger wannabes. The angle was funny enough that it wasn't just some random idiot with a gun, and it probably wasn't even a hobbyist hunter. It was someone who knew how to use a long-range assault rifle. Okay, this is not just a cop. This is not just a police officer. This is a dad, a dad of two little boys, two minor sons. He was a youth baseball coach. He was a canine handler. He was all-around good guy, and he leaves all that behind because of a what I believe is a serial killer. To Jessica Knoll, tell me about your new venture, your digital version. Now, what exactly does that mean? So at BardstownPodcast.com, we have put together a full narrative written story that takes you through the timeline of these cases and takes the podcast in, in, a, in a different way um, for our listeners and readers. Um, and it walks you through step-by-step step, um, my and Shay's journey through Bartown and through the, our investigations um, into these cases. And it takes you into each case. It actually brings in some new voices that you don't hear on the podcast and you get to go through documents that we have and photos and videos and timelines and maps. Um, so if you have listened to the podcast, it gives you the opportunity to really immerse yourself into everything we uncovered um, and go through everything for yourself and dig as deep as you can. And for those who haven't listened to the podcast, it's a great way to read the story, understand these folks, and then listen to the podcast also. It's not just a cop a cop leaving behind a wife and two little children. There is a mother and a daughter, Kathy Netherland, at the prime of her life, and teen daughter, Samantha Netherland, also murdered in their homes in Bardstown. And what's so odd about this is that typically serial killers have an MO. They have a type. Like if you look at many serial killer victims, they look similar. And I was thinking of Ted Bundy, how many of his victims, they're all white females, generally same age, generally generally with long, straight hair, dark hair, usually use the same MO, sometimes, sometimes deviated. But now you've got a mother 
and a daughter dead. How can that be? What about it, Jessica Knoll? You know, looking at these cases, it's undeniably connected in the fact that they're all in the same general area. They're all in a small town. But, um, you know, in, in talking to folks and talking to law enforcement, there's there's not a lot of details, first of all, for Kathy and Samantha's case given. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. I know you're the investigative journalist, Jessica Knoll. There's a ton of details as far as I'm concerned. Let's start at the beginning. When, who, what, where, when, and we don't know why yet. But let's talk about who they are, where they were found dead, how were they murdered, what are the circumstances surrounding their deaths. Let's start at the get-go. How were they found murdered, Jessica? So Kathy Netherland was a special education teacher uh, at Bartown Elementary, and she didn't show up for work. And Samantha, a student at the high school, didn't show up for school. And so a family member went and checked on them. This is April 21st, 2014, just after Easter. And they were found inside their home. They'd been shot several times, stabbed, and bludgeoned. They were also, both of their necks had been slashed. Who in the hay murders a special ed teacher and her daughter? Listen. 48-year-old Kathy Netherland doesn't show up for work. She's a special education teacher at Bardstown Elementary and the mother of two daughters. Her teenage daughter is also absent from school. Neither mother or daughter could, could be painted as, you know, doing sketchy things and hanging out with the wrong people. Um, the mother was very respected, very well liked by her students. Kathy's father goes to check on her. What he discovers is a scene of horror. I think I read in the reports that the daughter's skull was smashed in. Maybe there was something emotional in there that would cause a person to be more violent, more brutal, but I think it was sending some sort of a statement. And the fact that they, they died so gruesomely, um, the fact that that kind of thing could happen right here in this area, it shocked a lot of people. I hope no other family ever has to stand outside their loved one's house knowing that their sister and their niece are lying dead inside just steps away, but completely unreachable. I'm Shay McAllister. This is Bardstown. Not a lot of details have been given out about the Netherlands murder case over the years, and no one seems to know a lot. So, Shay, we're in Bardstown, and I covered the Jason Ellis case pretty extensively back in 2013. Can you kind of catch me up, like, where things have gone and what's happened since Jason Ellis was ambushed? Yeah, definitely. So, of course, the Netherland family was murdered violently one year later, April Stories with Nancy Grace. Not a lot of details have been given out about the Netherlands murder case over the years, and no one seems to know a lot. So, Shay, we're in Bardstown, and 
I covered the Jason Ellis case pretty extensively back in 2013. Can you kind of catch me up, like, where things have gone and what's happened since Jason Ellis was ambushed? Yeah, definitely. So, of course, the Netherland family was murdered violently one year later, April 2014. And that was and a mother and daughter. A mother and daughter. And this mother was so well known. She was a widow. She had another daughter. Um, she'd lost her husband years earlier. And she was a teacher at a local school. And everybody just loved her. So that was devastating to the community. A mother and a daughter both dead at the hand of a Bardstown killer? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us. We're talking about the Bardstown podcast. And now they've released the entire investigation in new digital format. With me, Jessica Knoll, investigative journalist, Shay McAllister, investigative reporter, WHAS. That's a very, very different modus operandi, pulling trees down in the interstate to block a cop and then shoot him dead at 2 a.m., and then going into the home of a mother and daughter and shooting them both dead. The similarity, uh, both gunshot victims. Another similarity, both in the same small town. Can't be too many miles apart. To Shay McAllister, back to the deaths of this mother and daughter. Tell me about the MO. What type of weapon was used? Were they... Uh, shot in the middle of the night? Were they getting ready to go to school in the morning? What happened exactly, in a nutshell? Sure. So what we know happened was Kathy and Samantha were at home at the end of their day, and neither one showed up to school the next day, which alarmed family members. So Kathy's dad, Samantha's grandfather, went to the house to check on them and found they were both dead inside. We know that they both had their throats slashed. We know that Kathy had been shot and Samantha had been bludgeoned in the head. I mean, traumatically just hit in the head. Okay, stop just a moment. Stop just a moment. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. So they weren't both shot. Are you telling me one was bludgeoned in the head? Correct. Okay, that tells me a lot about the MO of a killer. Once again, this is a male at work. If you look at risk and uh, method and assessment of homicides and suicides, overwhelmingly bludgeoning deaths are perpetrated by men. Just like I doubt a female, go ahead, accuse me of stereotyping. I'm just telling you what I know. I doubt a female perp is going to drag trees down from the forest and blockade the interstate at 2 a.m. That's not how our minds think. Mm-mm. We would not go to all that effort to kill somebody. We think of a better way. Okay. So bludgeoning. Tell me what part of the home, in what part of the home they were found. Did they have on their pajamas? Was there breakfast on the table? Was there dinner on the table? Did they still have on their clothes from the day before? What do we know, Shay? Nancy, that's the tricky part. We don't know any of that. Police have never released any information about what the inside of the home looked like. Uh, we've never known exactly where their bodies were located from police. We've never known what they were wearing. We do know that police believe the killer or an accomplice was in a black car that was parked in the driveway 
when the killings happened and then that black car, black Impala took off. That is the big clue that they have given us. The brutal murders of a Nelson County mother and child still not solved. At least five years have passed and not a word from Kentucky State Police while the family still begs for help. That's right, Kathy Netherland and her 16-year-old little girl, Samantha, we believe, according to what we have learned, were killed around 8 p.m. in the evening, not found in their home till the next morning. Now, if you, Jessica Noel or Shay McAllister, know differently, let me know. But you could go into a crime scene. You don't need a medical examiner to tell you everything. You can go into a crime scene and figure out a lot. For instance, in the murder of Dr. Teresa Severs, okay, in Bonita Springs, Florida, we know she came home from the airport on a Sunday night. We know that when she was found bludgeoned dead in her kitchen floor, she still had on her high heels and her clothes she wore on the plane. We know that her rollerboard was still in the garage. So I know that she was killed immediately after she came in from the airport. She hadn't had a bath. She didn't have on her PJ. She hadn't even brought her bags in. She never made it past the kitchen. So I, as just a JD, can tell you uh, the approximate time of death. In this case, the time of death has been placed around 8 p.m., probably based on them still wearing their clothes from that day, of course, there are medical ways to determine the time of death based on the temperature of the body, the degree of liver mortis, which is uh, the settling of your blood. It takes a period of time for blood to settle in a body. For instance, if you're lying on your back, all the blood will settle your arm and your back. It takes a minute to do that. Then there is, of course, rigor mortis, when your limbs begin to stiffen up. All that takes time based on the ambient air in the room, and it can be calculated fairly easily. Of course, there's the time-proven uh, method of figuring out the last time you ate and determining how far the food had gone through your digestive tract. There's a million ways to determine time of death, but we believe this happened that evening around 8 p.m. Question to you, Jessica Noll, do we know if there was a forced entry? We do not know if there was forced entry. And correct me if I'm wrong, Shay. Jump in, Shay. No, police have never told us about any kind of forced entry. We've also heard about um, different rumors about items missing from the homes or not. Um, but police really are tight-lipped on this case in particular and really will not tell us anything about what the home looked like. Take a listen to our friends at Crime Watch Daily. Kathy, now a single mother, was raising her two girls while working as a special education teacher. Holly was away at college, and her little sister Samantha was so excited to be going to her first high school prom. I remember her sending me pictures of dresses, going, Holly, help me. Should I go blue? Should I go pink? Should I go purple? And she was babbling on and on about her dress, how she couldn't wait to wear it. Kathy took Samantha shopping, and she found a prom dress. It was a very beautiful blue dress. They both were tickled that they had found what Samantha wanted. A few days later, Holly got a scary wake-up call from her aunt. 
I got a call from my Aunt Stephanie saying, Hey, Holly, don't want to worry you, but we can't find your mom and sister. Nobody can get a hold of them. Holly's family drove over to Kathy's house. They slowly opened the front door. Inside, horror and heartbreak. When I first arrived on the scene, it was uh, obviously still chaotic. The scene was still being secured. Uh, we were still trying to figure out exactly what was going on. Kentucky State Police had never encountered a grisly double homicide like this in Bardstown. Shocking news reports detailed the horrific way Kathy and Samantha were viciously murdered. Death certificates obtained by Wave 3 News reveal that Kathy Netherland was shot several times. Her 16-year-old daughter Samantha beaten multiple times in the head. Their attacker also cut their... Let me ask you, is there any connection between these two, Kathy and Samantha Netherland, and Jason Ellis, the cop? Uh, Shay, any connection that we know of other than they both are from Bardstown? No connection, and in fact, Kathy and Samantha Netherland's family have come out in recent years saying that there is no connection between their case and any of the other Bardstown cases. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Brooks runs into Crystal's mom. I met her mother at the gas station somewhere. One of them days, mm -hmm. her mother, Sherry, mm -hmm. Crystal's mother, Sherry, came up there to my window and asked me uh, if, if I'd seen Crystal. And when you told her what, I hadn't seen her, don't know where she is, and she just... Said okay and asked me. No, she thought that she thought that the wisest thing for us to do was she said she was gonna go to the police station. And then I went home. Meanwhile, Crystal's mom files a missing persons report at the Nelson County Sheriff's Office around 3 p.m. Two hours later, her father, Tommy, gets a call. Crystal's car has been found along the Bluegrass Parkway. Tommy goes and uncovers her keys, phone, and purse inside. Brooks tells Detective Snow that he wasn't concerned until Sunday because she'd, quote, done this before. Wow, you are hearing our friends Jessica Knoll and Shay McAllister on their Bardstown podcast. In this small Kentucky town, people drop like flies, and still not one of these cases have been resolved. I don't understand it. What happened now to Crystal Rogers, absolutely beautiful young mom, and I hear a connection between Crystal Rogers and Jason Ellis, both killed along the Bluegrass Parkway. Now, let me ask you this. Jessica Knowles, Shay McAllister have just come out with a digital form of the Bardstown podcast, and it's awesome. Jessica, before I get into the murder of Crystal Rogers, Jessica, tell me, how do I find your digital story? Uh, you can go to bardstownpodcast.com. And that's where you will find everything to do with these cases and the podcast. Shay, what led you to do a digital form of the Bardstown murders as opposed to just the podcast? All of the credit for the digital long form goes to Jessica. She has spent so many hours on this, and I am even fascinated by it. There are autopsy reports, police reports, photos, um, giving you behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast moments that were really interesting that you only got to hear and now you can actually see them and watch them 
So we just wanted to give everybody this opportunity to go even deeper. And it was all Jessica. She did an awesome job. Like I said, I'm even fascinated by it. I love looking through it. Okay. You've got me hook, line, and sinker. I could read autopsy reports all day long. In this new digital form of the Bardstown podcast, the story of a series of murders in, quote, America's most beautiful small town, you see evidence. You get to read and pour over evidence in each case listed there. You get to read the documents. You get to see photos. It's, it's just like going into the police files. You also get to hear Jessica and Shay explain so much Back to Crystal Rogers. Well, we know, Vation, tell me about the Bluegrass Parkway. How far apart was Crystal Rogers' car found from where Jason Ellis, the police officer, the father of two little boys, was murdered? How far apart, Jessica Knoll? Um, I would say probably between 10 and 15 miles apart. Uh, in opposite directions when you're leaving Bardstown, um, Bluegrass Parkway is kind of that main thoroughfare of Bardstown. So if you get on it going one way, you would get to exit 34. If you get on it going another way in another direction uh, towards Elizabethtown, you would see where uh, Crystal Rogers' car was found. You know, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts on this, and there's so much evidence there. I, I just, is the local population angry? Shay McAllister? that the cases have not been solved or brought to justice? Absolutely. They are so frustrated. And quite frankly, I think some of them are scared just knowing that there could be people out there in their community capable of doing this. And the local police, law enforcement, aren't so far capable of catching them and holding them accountable. The frustration is very real in the Bardstown community. Jessica Knoll. Where's the FBI in this? Have they big-footed local police yet? Because clearly local police aren't doing anything. Um, I believe the FBI is involved at least in the Jason Ellis case. They've offered a reward. Um, We don't know the extent of their involvement in that investigation and whether or not they're also involved in the other investigations that the Kentucky State Police have taken over, such as the Tommy Ballard case and the Kathy and Samantha Netherlands case. Take a listen to this. I probably I probably woke up around, you know, in between that time, like six or seven o'clock, and then I left. Uh, you know, I got did my normal thing, put you know, changed my clothes, put my clothes on, and and uh, and headed out. You know, shortly after that, mm-hmm. you know. So you get up between six and seven, and where's Eli at when you wake up? He's next to me. He's in the bed with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you get up. Does he get up with you? He's still uh, he's still asleep. Whenever I whenever I get up, but I got room and all that kind of stuff, and he's still sleeping uh, sleeping there on the bed. But Crystal isn't there when he gets up. Yes, I noticed. I mean, I noticed that she wasn't there. I didn't know what was. I didn't know exactly what to think. I don't know what time I called her. Yes, I called her that morning. Brooks takes his son to the farm. But his lack of concern for Crystal's whereabouts gives the detective pause. You are hearing Jessica Nolan, and Shay McAllister in their awesome Bardstown podcast looking for answers that seemingly they are not getting in the murders of five people. Listen. Rogers' family is hopeful the new detective will bring a fresh look to the most high-profile case at the sheriff's office. 
With change comes fear of the unknown. Nervous. <laughs> but on this day, Tuesday, the tides of change could be turning. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was nervous. The Nelson County Sheriff's Office announced Chief Deputy Jody Gilliland as the new lead detective tasked with solving what happened to Crystal Rogers. I just want the experience there. I'm assuming they think he can do the job or he wouldn't be put in that position. Let's talk about the new detective to Jessica Nolan, Shane McAllister. Has it made any difference that a new detective has been brought on the case of Crystal Rogers? Well, we still don't have an arrest. So um, I will say when we spoke to the sheriff, um, he indicated that he's put together an A-team to look at Crystal's case. And the newest addition to that was this new detective who was part of the Nelson County Sheriff's Office. But we don't have any updates of where the case is at this point. No arrests have been made. They have named Brooke Talk, her boyfriend at the time, um, as the prime suspect. And that's still where we are today. Then after Crystal Rogers' murder, her father, Tommy Ballard, dies. What happened to him, Shay McAllister? Tommy Ballard was shot and killed on family property um, an early morning, right before Thanksgiving in 2016. He and his grandson had gone out there to hunt. They were going to be meeting his son and his son's son, his other grandson, um, for some early morning hunting. But soon after Tommy Ballard and his grandson Trenton got to the farm, Tommy was shot and killed. Early on, and I mean within the first few hours and days, police said that they were considering the possibility that this was a hunting accident. But now in the years that have passed, police have said that they do investigate this as a murder. They do believe that Tommy Ballard was murdered. If you want to know more, as I do, about the series of unsolved murders in Bardstown, Kentucky, Go to www.bardstownpodcast.com. See, read, experience Shay McAllister and Jessica Knowles' new long-form digital investigation into their murders. As of right now, still unsolved. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend.